Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. It was, it was there for the taking. And Moses said that God has brought you out of Egypt to take you in. And the very word church in the New Testament, the word we see church is the word ekklesia. The word ek means out of. Klesia means called together or called out. So we're the called out ones. We're called out. And we're called out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're called out of something into something. God didn't take us out of our sin to leave us there. He didn't, he didn't just touch us there. He, he touched our lives to bring us out of our condition into a realm of promise that God has for us, a realm of favor. God has given us favor. Everybody say favor. favor. It's a divine favor. It's a God favor. I mean, it's, I'm going to explain that to you in just a moment. I told you I would, uh, kind of bring you up to date on what's going on with the buildings. We went over yesterday, worked on the house a little bit. We're kind of at a point where we're, we're almost going around in circles with it. And so we called a guy to come down and take a look at it. And he seems very interested in taking it off our hands just the way it is. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So that would be a wonderful thing. Then we can concentrate on the other things that God has for us. We went over yesterday afternoon and looked at the new building. I say new, it's the one we just acquired. So, you know, it's not new in the sense it's a brand new building, but it's new to us because we just got it. But we were looking at it, and uh, we have a, an architect that is coming over Tuesday to look at the buildings and the, and the layout of the land and everything, and she is going to help us develop a plan that we can put on paper that everybody can see. You know, that way you'll be able to see what I'm seeing. You know, she will be able to put in on paper what I visualize or what the Lord has put in my heart. And, you know, I'm, I, it's, it's not rocket science, and I'm, I'm not the, the, probably the sharpest pencil in the pack, but, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll pray, and God will direct us, and we will have what we need because God will supply all of our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We want to finish that building. We want to get the church restored. Um, you know, um, we, we thought about walking away from it and saying, okay, let's do something different. But, you know, God called us there for that reason to, do, to restore that building, and I believe God's going to give us the resources to do it. You know, whatever God tells us to do, he'll give us some money, the finances to get it done. When I prayed and asked God for $2.2 million, I felt like that's what the Lord laid on my heart to do. You know, where's that coming from? Well, let me remind you again what the Word says in the book of Haggai chapter 2. The gold is mine and the silver is mine, says the Lord. Rise and build. So we have to understand that it's God's and it's his business and he'll take care of it. We don't have to worry about that. He'll provide. Has God ever failed us yet? No. Do you think he's going to start now? He says, I am the Lord, I change not. He's not going to fail us. He's not going to let us down. He's going to keep doing what he's been doing always, and that's being faithful because God is a faithful God. Now, when, he, when we're not faithful, guess what? He still is because his cha- he is unchanging. His word is immutable. His truths are irrefutable. God is faithful in all things. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about something that, that God laid on my heart. And it was, it's interesting because when I arrived today, I talked to several people and I thought, 
you know, when I'm putting this message together, it's almost like, you, you know, you ever second guess yourself? Kevin, I know you have. When, you put, when, you're, when you're preparing a message and you're like, well, who's this for, Lord? And it's like, you know. And, and, and so when I get here and I'm talking to several people, I'm thinking, well, this message is for you. And then I'm talking to somebody else and it's like, well, this message is for you. And then somebody else and it's like, well, this, this message is for you. Well, really, this message is for you. It's for all of us. Because I want to talk to you about the favor of God. How many like that? You know, you've, you've probably heard me say it before, and I'll say it again, because in my heart it's true. It may not be true in the truest sense, but in my thinking, and you can think whatever you want to think, but this is my story, and I'm, t- I'm sticking to it. God loves me more than he loves anybody else. Now, you can laugh at that if you want to, but that's just the way I feel. I feel like I'm his favorite child. And that's what favor is. We have the favor of the Lord. And, and I want to read this to you out of a book of Ephesians. I love the book of Ephesians because it's all about grace. It's all about the grace of God. It seems to, that we have a grace movement that's taking place, and it's a good thing. But, you know, grace can get messy just like the prosperity movement. You know, there were Christians at one time who felt like as a Christian, you ought to be poor. You ought not to have anything. And the preacher, by all means, ought to be poor. And I think what people used to say, you know, Lord, you, you keep him humble. We'll keep him poor. We'll work together with this. <laughs> but when we start looking at the word of God, we find that that's not true. God wants his people to prosper. He's given us all the tools. It is God who gives us the ability to get wealth. It's God. He's the one who gives us the ideas and the plans. God wants his people to be on the cutting edge. I want to ask you a question. How many hospitals do you know that were started by just absolute pagan witches, hateful people? You know, the hospital of Satan. Does anybody know where that's at? Does anybody know? Most of the hospitals I know were started by universities and places of study who were trying to make life better for people, and they were started by Christians, people that love God, people that have a heart for God, and they wanted to touch people's lives. They want to help people. The Bible says in the book of Hosea that my people perish for the lack of knowledge. You know, we, God gives us knowledge and ability to do things. I mean, God has given me ability to do things that I never knew that I had. I never thought about being a preacher when I was a kid. I knew I had a call of God on my life. I thought I'd be a singer. That's easier. <laughs> but the Lord said no. And it's like when I preached my first message, I went back and listened to it, and I said, oh, God, help me. <laughs> help those people that had to endure that. I mean... It was like two hours of heresy. And I said, you know more than you know. You know, every, you know. Like every other word was, you know. You know. But in Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll get back to where we started from, where we're supposed to be. And you were, everybody say were. You were dead in trespasses and sins. You were. 
in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them too, we all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. I like this next part. But God. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. By what? By grace you have been saved. And being raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus in order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Here we have it again. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk with them, or walk in them. Now, everybody knows what a synonym is, right? It's a word that's interchangeable with another. It means the same thing, basically. When you see the word Grace, think the word favor. When you see the word grace, think favor. God has favored us. He has chosen us. When you were dead in trespasses and sins, God has reached out to you because he has favored you and he has sent the light of his gospel to touch your heart to allow you to become a partaker of his divine nature to leave your old life of sinfulness and disobedience and to come into the light of his gospel and begin to walk in a new light and a new life and a new life of favor God has given us favor I'm his favorite child I love it I'm daddy's favorite boy now, he's proven that to me over and over again. He'd probably done the same thing for you if you learn to trust him. Now, the thing about daddy wants to give us good things, and the problem a lot of times is we don't get close enough to daddy to find out what he wants to give us. We're always running in the wrong direction. He's, I, you know, we're, we're talking to God, and it's like, Lord, I want you to give me the blah, 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 and we're just out the door. And God's, uh, uh. <laughs> you didn't give me an opportunity to say anything. I wanted to give you something. You didn't give me a chance. And God wants to bless us, and sometimes we miss the blessing because of our impatience, and sometimes because of our belligerent, stiff-necked attitudes toward God. You know, I, I've got grandchildren. How many got grandchildren? You know, we, we, we love our, ba- our grandbabies, and I'll give my grandbabies anything they want if I can. I love them, just the same as I would my kids. I love them. But you know what? When they start getting whiny and demanding, it's like all of a sudden my heart of compassion just closes up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like all of a sudden this sweet baby 
you, you, you just want to, I don't know what you want to do. <laughs> but you certainly don't want to give them the things they're demanding. And when they're not demanding, you want to give them everything they want. But when we start demanding, and we make demands of God, and we, and we wonder why we don't get what we want from God, but the Bible is clear. James says, you have not because you ask not. And when you do ask, you ask in order to heap it upon your flesh. You know? So we, we got to understand the favor of God. Grace. Grace. Grace in the, in the New Testament, in the Greek, is the word charis. Everybody say charis. C-H-A-R-I-S. From which we get the word charismatic. So when we're acting charismatic, it means we're acting with the gifts of God that God has given us. The, the, you know, we have all of these gifts. The nine spiritual gifts that are listed in the first Corinthians and then the nine that are listed in the book of Romans. And then, I'm sure there are other gifts that God has given us by his spirit. But he's given us these spiritual gifts. And when we operate in those gifts, people call us charismatic. Some people call us charismaniac. Call us what you want. As long as we're operating in the gifts and doing what God has called us to do. Right? But he gives us these gifts. He's given these gifts to the church to help us. To show his favor toward us. Now, let me ask you a question. What is wrong with the charismatic gift of healing? Or the gifts of healings? What's wrong with them? And yet, some people have problems with them. Because we don't understand the gifts. We don't understand the gifts of God. We don't understand the things. Sometimes we don't value the things that God has given us to show us his favor. You know, we think sometimes that, you know, God has given us certain laws and principles to, 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 to obey and, and to walk by. And we think that God is being restrictive in our lives because he doesn't love us. How dumb. He's doing it because he does love us. Because Father knows best. He knows what we need. He knows what makes our life better, you know. We, you know, even going back and I was again, I was reading in the book of Deuteronomy and I was reading about all of the, the foods that God said we could eat and couldn't eat. And, and I'm looking at these things, you know, we can eat, we can eat cattle and deer and goats and sheep, but we can't eat, not supposed to eat. We can, but we're not supposed to, not according to Levitical law, not supposed to eat pigs. Why? Pigs are filthy. You are what you eat. <laughs> Everybody ever heard that? Have you ever watched a pig? A pig will eat anything. They will eat anything. And they don't sweat. They chew, they don't chew the cud. They got split hoof, but they don't chew the cud. So therefore, God says don't eat them. See, God knew best, and they're learning a lot of things about pigs. And especially back in those days when they had pigs that just roamed everywhere eating everything, and then when you eat it, you get all these parasites and stuff in your body. And, and the Word of God says you can eat any kind of fish as long as it's got scales on it, but just don't eat. Southern boys got to have the catfish. But we aren't supposed to eat them. Anybody know what a catfish is? Bottom feeder. They eat it, just junk. You know what an oyster is? A water filter. Do you know what a shrimp is? Cockroach of the sea. A lobster is just a bigger cockroach. That's really what they are because they, they, they scavenge, they eat just whatever's laying around, you know. And they feed on filth. They're attracted to it. You know, 
You're sitting there looking at that lobster and thinking, I wonder what he ate before he was on my plate. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm not, I'm not talking, you know, I'm not saying, demanding that we strictly adhere to dietary standards and stuff like that. But we're finding out a lot of things that if we didn't eat them, we'd be a lot healthier. We would. We would be a lot healthier. Our lives would be much better if we just did the things that God told us to do. And I'm not saying we, we have to adhere to the law. We're not going to go to hell if we eat, eat pork. Somebody said that Smith Wigglesworth went to visit a family one time. They invited him to dinner. And they sat down. There's a big old ham sitting in the middle of the table. And someone said, Brother, Smith, uh, Brother Wigglesworth, would you bless the food? He says, no, I will not. He said, why not? He said, I'm not going to bless something that God's already cursed. Oh, Wow. But I'm not, that's not my, my point today. My point is this, that God knows best. He knows best what's, 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 what's good for our lives. And a lot of times we think that God is being restrictive when actually he's favoring us. Grace in the same way. Paul says, should I continue in sin that grace should abound? God forbid. So good sense tells us that God has given us his favor for a reason. He wants to bless us. He wants us to be blessed in everything. Now, grace is this. It is the unmerited, undeserved favor of God. Or in better terms, it's the outflow of his mercy and his boundless love toward us. That's what grace is. That, in other words, is favor. This is God's favor toward us. You know, We are saved by grace through faith, not of works lest any man should boast. It's not because of something we've done. It's because God has favored us. He has shown his favor toward us, and he has drawn us by his spirit. He's called us to himself. Here's a passage of scripture that I just absolutely love, and it's in Psalm chapter 30, verses 4 through 7. It says, Sing praise to the Lord, you his godly ones, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment. How many are glad of that? I'm glad of that, but I'm more glad about this. But his favor is for a lifetime. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Hallelujah. Now as for me, I said in my prosperity, I will never be moved. O Lord, by thy favor, thou hast made my mountain to stand strong. I will not be moved. I will not be moved. Now, what moves us? What are the things in our life that move us? We'll either be moved by the truth of God or by our doubts and our disbelief. Either the truth of God moves us closer to him and the things that he has for us and toward his divine favor or our disobedience and our unbelief move us farther away from where God wants us to be. We miss out on what he has for us or else we get it. How many want to get it? How many say I'm getting it? You know, Isaiah said this about God. He said we will learn him this way, line upon line. And then he repeats it, line upon line. Precept upon precept, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, here a little, there a little. This is how we learn God. I mean, God is so vast. God is so big, 
If we tried to learn all that there is of him, we'd blow a gasket in just a heartbeat. We wouldn't be able to learn God that way. His ways are past finding out. Every day I'm learning something new about my father that I didn't know the day before, Brian. Every single day. I'm learning something new about him that I didn't know the day before. And and, and it's in the same book that I've read over and over again that I'm learning. Isn't that amazing? It's because the Holy Spirit is revealing things about God that I never knew before. And more importantly, revealing things about me and my relationship with my God that I didn't know before. And it's helping me to come in line with what God wants for me and understand his favor. Now, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. I want you to know something. God's favor has been up on me in some of the most terrible times of my life. And I'm thinking, how terrible. But I'm in the middle of God's favor the whole time. I'm walking in God's favor, and I don't even know it. You know? And sometimes we're just like babies. (laughs) Then all of a sudden, the blessings of God starting to come. It's like... That's what that was for. That's why I was going through that. That's what this was about. Because God is changing me. Paul says, day by day, the the outward man is perishing. But the inward man is being renewed. Every day of our lives. You know? How many know that as you sit right now, that cells are dying on your body? They are. When you get up from there, you're going to leave a part of you sitting on the seat. (laughs) But when you walk out the door, there are new cells being regenerated as you're doing it. So, in the same way on the inside, there are things that are dying, thank God. Old habits, old thinking. You know, somebody said that what the church needs more than anything else is for the people of God to get a, cheek, a check up from the neck up and get rid of their stinky thinking. And it's true. Because if we can get this renewed, conform to what God wants us to think and think the way that God wants us to think and understand that God wants to bless us and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future... Not leave us stuck where we were to bring us out so he can bring us in, into his promises, into the good things that God has for us. Then things will start to change for us. You know, sometimes my wife and I have been to the place, literally, this is literal. We have been to the place where our refrigerator was empty and it looked like they were going to come and cut the power off on it the next day anyway. And we didn't have nothing. I remember one night we sit down and said, honey, what's for supper? Well, I've got some can of beans. Had a jar of beans that her mom had given us. Canned beans. They were good beans. You know, but you're sitting there looking at those beans. You think it would be nice to have something to go with them. But thank you, Lord, for the beans. You know? And we're preparing to eat our beans. Literally. And we prayed, and we asked the Lord to meet our needs. And we hear a knock. And I go to the door, and there's no one there. But I look down, 
And there, how many cases? Was it like four or five cases? 50 pounds, 50 pound boxes of steak. Prime cuts of steak. So now we got steak and beans. Beans taste a whole lot better with steak, I tell you that. So we go back in and we're preparing our steak and beans and we hear another knock on the door. And I go to the door and open the door. I don't see nobody, but there's an envelope stuck in the cross member on the, on the screen. And I pull the, the, the envelope off the door and open it up and there's a nice crisp $100 bill in there. Well, a $100 bill at that time was like winning the lottery. And I'm thinking, God, you're so good. You know, tomorrow night we can have some bread with the beans and the steak. <laughs> that was a tough time in our life. And, and we're praying, we're believing God. And, and, and my wife, is, she's like this with him. She's like eight, eight months, almost eight and a half months pregnant. And, and I had lost my job and stuff. And, and uh, it, it's a long story. And I won't even go there. But I was praying. I was literally in the kitchen next to the table, kneeling beside the chair, praying and asking God, what am I going to do? And I just said, Lord, I'm going to quiet myself and I'm going to listen. You tell me what to do. And I got quiet before the Lord and I'm listening. And the Lord just kept telling me, Duke Power, Duke Power, Duke Power. And I knew somebody that worked at Duke Power. So I go and I call him up, you know, and I'm thinking, well, he's just a foreman. He can't really, maybe he's got a job, you know. So I go call him. He tells me, he says, well, I can't tell you that they're hiring people, but they just hired some people. <laughs> so if I were you, I'd go and apply. And I did. And for 10 years, we worked there. And the Lord provided for us. I mean, I started out making more money than I'd ever made in my life. And, and I was just, it was such a blessing during that time. Now, I didn't have the best boss in the world. I mean, he was a tyrant. He hated me because I was, I was a Christian. But God put me in that place, and he gave me favor. He gave me favor. Even in the middle of that situation. And I'll share this with you, and I'll move on from there. But this is just so cool because one day I was uh, down in the basement, and I love Andre Crouch. And, you know, Andre's going to be with Jesus now. And... Um, I was I was in the basement of the of the reactor building and and there was water about this deep and we had knee boots and the water was over the knee boots so it was going into my boots and I was vacuuming up with a vacuum cleaner and you know a wet vac and there were about four or five of us working down there and and uh, it it was cold it wasn't the best of situations you know what I'm talking about anybody ever ran a wet vac and that much water with electricity hooked to it you know, kind of not a fun thing to do, but here I am doing that, and and I started thinking about a song that Andre Crouch wrote called My Tribute, and it says, how can I say thanks for all the things you've done for me, things so undeserved, yet you gave to prove your love for me. Oh, the voices of a million angels cannot express their gratitude. All that I have and ever hope to be, Lord, I owe it all, I owe it all to you. To God be the glory. I started singing it. And the more I, I vacuumed, the more joy I got, and I'm just singing. And the next thing you know, I'm singing, but then I stop, and I still hear voices. 
All up through the reactor, all the other workers are joining in that knew the song. We had a choir going in the reactor building. It was just the coolest thing. So, you know, you, you find joy in the middle of things. And you find the favor of God in the middle of your circumstances and your situations. Grace, God's grace is there. You know, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy comes in the morning. And I want to tell you that it's morning right now. It's morning. It's, it's time for you to realize. It's time for you to wake up and realize that the favor of God is on your life. God's favor in us is evident in the fact that, that he, by his mercy, has drawn us to Christ by his spirit. In John six forty four, it says, no one comes to, the fa- to me, Jesus said, unless the Father who sent me draws him. We didn't come to, dr- to God by our own volition. He, we came because he favored us and drawed us by his spirit to himself. He favored us. That says God selected you. That's divine election. Before the foundations of the earth, God knew who you were. He knew where you would be. He knew how to reach you. He knew your phone number. He knew your address. He knew your mom and your daddy and your brothers and your sisters and all the people you hung out with. God knows everything about you, and yet he chose you. He chose you because of his favor toward you. Hallelujah. Now, you ought to give God some praise for that. He loves us so much, and we live in his divine favor. Luke told his disciples in Luke 12, 22, and he said to his disciples, For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or for your body or for what you shall put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, and they have no storehouse, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? If then you cannot do even a very little thing, why are you anxious about such matters? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, but I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed, did not clothe himself like one of these. But God so raised the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace. How much more... Will he clothe you, O men of little faith? And do not seek what you shall eat or what you shall drink, and do not keep worrying for all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek. But your Father knows that you need these things. Doesn't he? But what are we to seek? Seek first his kingdom, and those things shall be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. I like what the King James says. It's his good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. It pleasures God to give you the kingdom. You know, when we think of the spiritual kingdom, we think of the kingdoms of the earth. The kingdoms of the earth, you can see. The kingdom of heaven is within you. Jesus said, That you seek for the kingdom of heaven, but it's neither here nor there, but the kingdom of heaven is within you. 
What is the kingdom of heaven? It is submission. It is the basileo. It is recognizing the lordship of Christ, and that is within you. And understand the favor that you have in that position, that when you walk and you live in the kingdom of God, when you seek first the kingdom of God, seeking the things which are God's, and walking in the things which God has for you, you are living in divine favor. You're living in a good place. God has put you there. You're not there by happenstance. And things in your life that happen, happen for a reason. God is working something out in you. He's working out his purposes in your life. It's the favor of God. Psalm 84, one, or 84 uh, verse 11 says, For the Lord God is a son and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory, and no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God wants to give you something. He won't hold it back from you if you'll just walk uprightly, if you'll trust him. He will give you these things. First of all, you are his child and his favor is upon you because of that. If you're in a relationship with Jesus, you belong to God. You're a part of the kingdom. And when we accept God's invitation, become a part of his family, we enter into that kingdom and we live and we operate in kingdom principles. We're living under the favor of God. We're in this world, but we're not of it. We're in another kingdom. We're in another dimension. It's an unseen dimension, but it's a very real dimension that we live in and we walk in. We, 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 we live our lives in. Now listen, we can expect several things. I'm going to give you these things. I want you to get them, okay? Number one, a clean conscience. A clean conscience. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. And Hebrews 9, 14 says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And Hebrews 10, 22 says, Let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Number two, as we operate... In divine law of reciprocity, which is sowing and reaping, we can expect divine provision and prosperity. Amen. Thank you. I love those two amens. Luke 6.38 says, give and it will be given to you. Now, this is God's word. Everybody say, this is God's word. Luke 6.38 says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, they will pour into your lap. This is the favor of God shown through man. In 2 Corinthians 9, chapter, uh, chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, Now this I will say, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Let each of you do as just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, everybody say, God is able, to make all grace abound to you. Now, what is grace? Favor. That always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. And in Malachi 3.10, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings until it overflows. Hallelujah. That's the favor of God. That's the favor of God. Test him in it. Prove God in it. You know, we're not giving until we're giving out of our need. 
Jesus exemplified that in the book of Luke. When the woman was, was brought her offering and the, and, the, and the Pharisees and everybody are giving their offerings, you know, and everybody's putting money in. And Jesus is sitting there watching them. And this little widow comes up and she drops, some, you know, two mites in there, which is probably about a couple pennies. That's all she had. And Jesus said, she gave more than all of you. And they're looking like, get out the calculators. <laughs> How's he figuring that? He says, no, you gave out of your abundance. She gave all she had. She gave out of her need. So when we learn to give that way, God loves it. You're touching his heart. And God favors those who do. And it says in, in Proverbs 3, 9, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first fruit of all your produce. What is they? The first fruit of all. Everybody say all. All your produce so that your barns may be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And Philippians 4, 19 says, And my God shall supply, there it is again, all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The third thing is, we can expect to live in divine health and experience healing for our bodies. You can say, well, I don't believe that. Well, if you don't believe that, then you can just go on being sick. But if you believe, if you have faith in God, and you do the things that God tells you to do and use wisdom. Now, if you're doing something that's making you sick and you continue to do it, I call that stupidity. Foolishness. Stop it. Then begin to do the things that God tells you to do, and you'll start getting well. Amen. Okay. He wants to give you good health. Psalm 107, 20 says, He sent His word, and He healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Isaiah 53, 5 says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes ye are healed. And then 1 Peter 2.24 Who himself bare our sins in his own body that we being dead to sins might live under righteousness and by whose stripes ye were healed. So God has given us his word to heal us. And then all things will work out for our good. Everybody say all things. All things. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord who are the called according to his purposes. Now, if we continue to do things in our purposes and try to fulfill our own demands and desires, you know, it's, it's kind of like the definition of insanity, which is to do the same thing over and over again while expecting different results. It's never going to happen. We have to change. And we seek God, and we begin to do the things that God tells us to do. Then things begin to work out according to God's purposes. And then Psalm 34, 19 says, Many are the afflictions or the troubles of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Amen. So just wait on the deliverance of the Lord. The joy comes in the morning. The weeping may endure for the night. There is a season sometimes. There's a time to weep, and there's a time to sing. There's a time to be happy. And then number five, and this is the last one. Understand, understand this. God will finish what he has started in us. Philippians 1, 6, For I am confident in this very thing, that he who begun a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. And this is the favor, the unmerited favor of God. It, it, it all comes from his heart to yours. From God's heart to yours. I want you to say this with me. I want you to mean it. If you can't, say it, don't, if you can't mean it, don't say it. I'm his favorite child. <laughs> 
I am. I believe that. I mean, you may not believe it, but I, I, I believe I'm God's favorite child. He's proven it to me over and over again. Every time I turn around, it's like God's just blessing me. You know, forget, you know, it's like, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. I love benefits. Sometimes I just have a benefit. You know, because he heals, he, he forgives all my iniquities, he heals all my diseases, he renews my strength like that of the eagles. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing what God will do when we trust him and when we rely upon his favor. Amen. God loves you. I want you to understand that. He loves you more than you can imagine. His favor is upon you. And we're living. I, I want to continue this, this, this in a series of messages on the favor of God. You know, next week we've got Danny Wallace coming, and then uh, we're gonna, Easter's going to be right on us before you know it. But in between those things, you're going to hear more about this. Because we're living in an age, we're living in a day, we're living in a time of God's grace, a movement of God's grace. You know, as, as I said early, earlier, we look at grace and we can interpret it in two or, two or three different ways. I remember back in the 80s, there was a prosperity movement. How many remember that? The name and claim it kind of thing. When everybody's going out buying Cadillacs on credit and saying God gave it to them. <laughs> he gave them good credit and they ruined it. And we presume things, and we presume upon God. But God's grace is very real. And God is wanting us to understand and get a grasp of his favor, of his grace upon our lives. To understand that he loves us more than we could ever know. That he accepts us. That it's his desire to heal us and make us complete in him. Amen. Well, Father, we just thank you, Lord, so much for all that you've done to us. We thank you, Lord, for your favor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love, Lord, all that you've done for us. Lord, we just thank you that worthy is a lamb that was slain. Worthy is a, is a king who conquered the grave. Lord, we just thank you, Father. This is amazing grace. You've been listening to Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.